0: Hello, you're listening to Shut Up and Watch This, episode number 47. I'm Dave. I'm Ashley. And we're a couple in Austin, Texas, getting to know each other better by uncovering each other's media and pop culture blind spots and sharing the must-see movies and guilty pleasures from our past. Each week, one of us gets to choose something the other person has never seen before.
1: One thing. One <laughs>
0: Would you like to change the format of the show? Should we just do that this week? Yeah,
1: just should we just?
0: Thing. So we watched a film. Are you just going to, should we just talk about something completely different? No, no. Just, okay. That's fine. Shut up and focus, Dave. <laughs> that's what this should actually be called. Um, <laughs> so it's Ashley's choice this week. Um, it's a miracle we're getting anything out at all, I yeah. think. Um, I was away last week at the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention in L.A., um by the Tuesday afternoon I had the plague I mean the flu the flu I've been out I've been out sick dying basically for the last few days I'm now I dealt with it well. yes I'm well the let me just say if you didn't manage to get your flu shot or if you end up getting the flu seek out Zofluza Yes. This is not a paid advertising. Um, We're not sponsored maybe we by we should so get free. sponsored I don't by know. the it it really truly was a miracle thing. This is
1: why you can't use WebMD as a web source. Yeah, but, uh, I think
0: I topped <laughs> I think I was at a one oh two fever before I took this and then I was it was gone twenty four hours later. Yeah. I've been fever free for a couple of days now. This is more than you need to know. Yeah. But here we are with ask my Ask your doctor about this. Ask, as ask Dave or ask <laughs> yes. No, ask your doctor. Ask your doctor. <laughs> okay. So I'm now healthy. The kids are coming back in about an hour,
1: Yeah,
0: you know, so we had to push the co-parenting schedule a little bit. This is our window. It's a yeah. Sunday afternoon. Um, the cat buses are parked. Both cats are on top of the sofa. Um, they are currently not fighting each other. Yeah. There are no cat battles going on um, of any kind. It's a
1: beautiful Sunday morning. It's the perfect time to talk about a serial killer movie. It's <laughs> Sunday
0: is the time I like to, to reflect upon um, unsolved uh, serial killer crimes. Yeah. So um with that said what what did you choose and what are we referring to here
1: Um so I chose which you had never seen and I saw in the theater um for uh in 2007 so 2007 David's Adventures the uh Zodiac starring uh Jake Gyllenhaal Robert Downey Jr. and uh Mark Ruffalo which like at one time were like my like top three male actors for for a good period of time you throw like clive owen and eric Bana in there and that's the five that i would like
0: i wouldn't put eric Bana in there but well it's not me i don't know i, don't I know. just
1: like the you know the dark-haired attractive actors i just those okay. are those are my five so <laughs> um, i'm
0: sorry i can't be a dark-haired attractive actor for you well
1: you are dark-haired or or were <laughs>
0: I think she's talking about the salt and pepper thing going on. Yeah, now. Um, I'm sorry, it was false advertising. So now this I, is who you married.
1: I really like this film. I, you know, sorry Siri, Am I? Sh- shut up Siri. Am I?
0: <laughs> Siri is talking to us. I don't know why.
1: Um, I. So I I saw this in the theater, I really wanted to have seen it, um, because I have a sort of casual passing interest. I mean, like I've read Silence of the Lambs, not recently, but in my youth, I read it probably about five times between the You're ages. not so
0: special. We all have the phase yeah. that phase, yeah. right? I read Silence of the Lambs. I read Red. But Dragon. did you read it
1: five times? I read, I read Red. I read Mindhunter,
0: the yeah. actual books by John Douglas, yeah. all that stuff. He wrote two or three, a Portrait of a Serial Killer, whatever they were. I don't okay. remember all that
1: stuff. I've not really been into true crime much. I, you know, I I didn't read um, any of the Manson stuff. I, I didn't read this book.
0: I will still not read Manson stuff. Yeah, I, I can't really go Manson.
1: No, although once upon a time in Hollywood. Was good, Yeah. related to Mancini. It's true things, but um, so I, I don't remember anything about the time period that I would have seen this. Um, interestingly, this came out in the summer of two thousand seven, I believe. The next year, the following year, I moved to Riverside, California, which is mentioned in this, um, which I had forgotten about entirely.
0: You know what's mentioned more than Riverside, California? What San Francisco, San Francisco. California, <laughs> where I grew up. <laughs>
1: In the 70s. In the 70s.
0: When they were still investigating this.
1: <laughs> yes. So, but but why didn't you see it in, in 2007? Oh, I, you think had, you, I
0: think you know very well why yeah, I didn't see this two in 2007. you two children under the
1: age of five, probably. You can't watch
0: serial killer films with uh, infants.
1: No. Yeah. Although, this one is more of a sort of... I, I'm, it's sort of like a, it's police, a police procedural, procedural to some also extent. combined with the sort of newspaper, like spotlight kind of journalism investigation sort of thing. It it's hits, like it, it combines it all, all of those, those things. It, yeah, it,
0: it, it pushes all the silence <laughs> of the lamb stuff. It pushes the all the president's men kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it's got the subterfuge and mm-hmm. the hidden meetings and the secret tip at night and all no. that kind of stuff
1: yeah like yeah. i'm not gonna say anything but go talk to this guy and then know? it's also
0: by a very stylish director yeah you know so it's got the i'm gonna move my camera around and i'm gonna put the camera in the mail cart mm. and the mail cart is gonna take us into the story which i yeah. loved
1: yeah that was good that was good although i mean like
0: because that's the arrival I of I the first worry uh, about
1: that like after the first one they should have stopped touching the letters <laughs> and told the police and they didn't do that
0: well, they didn't have any sort of sophisticated yeah. g- genetic testing kind of yeah, thing Yeah. So that's true. Other than the the bloody thumbprint on something at yeah. some point, there's not much they were getting from
1: the Yeah, well forensic science was not very advanced. You know, we didn't yeah. have the see-through computers that um you know, calculated DNA evidence within seconds like they do on uh uh <laughs> CSI Miami. It's very showy, but wasn't that a great entry into the story to have that
0: be the arrival of the first Zodiac letter to the San Francisco Chronicle? Well, we had
1: like a preamble where we see the first. I think it was the the credit sequence. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Not the first murder, the second murder. So they only showed us. What did they show? It They showed us three of the crimes, I believe. Mm hmm. The couple in the car, I, the I couple can't. by the lake, and the cab driver—the are only crimes that we see. There was a previous. Uh, well, they
0: saw the that we saw the attempted abduction of the 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 murder, the attempted murder of the woman and her baby.
1: Yeah, but who jumped out of the car. I don't know if that was. So that that's that's like a plot point is that he didn't do that. Oh, okay. He only he took credit for it after it happened. Oh, that's right.
0: I forgot but, about that whole aspect of it.
1: And she's but it seemed like it was just like a copycat guy or something. And the cab like that. driver
0: they think was was an attempt to change the pattern of the killings, which was always um young couples. Yeah. um by la- by bodies of water.
1: Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you hadn't seen it um
0: so yeah, so why did you choose this for your husband on a Saturday evening Well, you when know, he was getting over the flu and so feeling we're, vulnerable?
1: We're on 47 episodes of the show, and you know, as you know, you went to film school, so I've seen many of the... So there's a lot of films that both of us have already seen for one reason or another, many of them that are important to us. Um, I've, I'm sort of getting to the tail end of stuff that's important to me i guess but i liked this film and we want to tantalize
0: you with future episodes of us talking about things that don't matter
1: (laughs) serial killers are not important to me but i am interested in them i guess you know they're not like a foundational part of my life or anything like that you know i did take the the instagram uh filter thing of which serial killer i am and i got h.h holmes um the Devil in the White City, so. Oh, okay. I never read that. <laughs> so, I mean, like, I, I, you know, have a passing. I liked, I don't know, I, I I, liked this film. I don't usually like movies about the 70s, either. Um, I think that they're overdone, and they show way too many people in, like, bell-bottom pants and uh, glittery jackets and, and such like that. But this one is, like, just nice, sort of gritty 70s everybody's got sideburns but it's not like over the top
0: i know you're skeptical of this movie but i like milk yeah which is also set across you know yeah but then i'm sure you're thinking but we have the times of harvey milk the documentary (laughs) why do we need to see sean penn as harvey milk
1: well so that well i don't want to get into my james franco thing i think he's um he's He's, fine he's the greatest actor of our generation really but uh not really this is sarcasm (laughs) Um no,
0: you mean he's a a wunderkind. Wunderkind. He, a wunderkind. Right? he can do everything. Isn't he a Renaissance man? He is a so, Renaissance man. <laughs> so um if you had to play this or that.
1: Uh huh.
0: Ethan Hawke or James Franco?
1: Oh, Ethan Hawk. Oh. Oddly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where I fall on the Ethan Hawke or
0: James Franco. It's, it's like a Sophie's choice, right?
1: Well, it, yeah.
0: It, it's not like if you had to take one of them to a desert island.
1: Well, uh, so you know, James Franco is my age, and Ethan yeah. Hawke's a little older. So it's like a respect. I think your he's ed- about my age. Respect, yeah, respect your elders sort of thing. Something I, I don't know.
0: He, he and I, Reality Bites, was uh, yeah. the song, the poem of my generation. Yeah,
1: well, yeah, you don't know how many times I watched Reality Bites. Okay. Anyway, so. Um, uh, Zodiac, set in San Francisco, um, starts in 1969 with the second murder. Um, and then, when the real story gets going, when the Zodiac starts communicating with the major papers. So, we're hearing, and he did communicate with several papers. He communicated with the Vallejo newspaper, um, he communicated with the San Francisco Examiner. And he communicated with the San Francisco Chronicle. So where we're seeing it from is the perspective of the Chronicle, because we have Paul Avery, played by Robert Downey Jr., who's the journalist who is really covering the story and doing a little of investigation on the side. We have the political cartoonist Robert Graysmith.
0: Always your key figure in a murder investigation.
1: who who becomes obsessed with it, who actually is, I, I guess I... For some reason, I didn't realize that he is the author of the book about this oh. well, for, I didn't realize the first that, time I saw it. I didn't so. know
0: that until <laughs> the point where they started mentioning yeah. somebody has to write the book. And then I was like, okay, he wrote the book.
1: He wrote the book, yeah. Actually um, he has written book. a bunch of other books, too, but um, also on true crime. Um, and... And then we have uh, Mark Ruffalo as the the detective in the Dave uh, Toshi. SFPD, San Francisco yeah. PD. And then, you know, some interesting side characters. We have, like, a um, handwriting expert who was used to sort of, like, you know, get rid of any suspects that they, you know, sort of eliminate any suspects. We have the two um, chiefs of the police departments in Vallejo, California, and is it Salinas or... I can't remember. One of the other oh small towns. Oh, my God. And,
0: and it's... Napa. It's Napa full circle, the man, back to the Dow of Steve. <laughs>
1: yeah. Right? So, that's right. Our first film, Dow of Steve, Donald Logue plays the uh, chief of police for Napa County, yeah. I believe, or the sheriff's department. And then um, the guy from the Canadian movie that we watched last time. Elias
0: Koteas, who is in Exotica as the creepy DJ.
1: Yeah. <laughs> He's, he's also one he's of the. He's the chief of police for, for uh, Vallejo. Vallejo, yeah. yeah. So, um, so a really good cast of characters, and then of course we have Chloe Vegney in the only female role in the whole movie. Oh, and Brian Cox <laughs> as
0: a super attorney Melvin Belli. Okay. I was a kid in the '70s, and I knew who Melvin Belli yeah. was. He was like a huge figure in California. Um, he, and they mentioned in the movie, yeah. but he, they had him do a guest role on Star Trek in the sixties and stuff. He Interesting. was just this rich attorney. Like, oh, was
1: he the guy that was interviewing the, the psychologist?
0: He's the one that he requested come on to the talk show mm. in the, in the film.
1: Yeah. You know what I'm okay, saying? Okay. Yeah. The
0: one who was going to take the call from the Zodiac, the live call. From That's the, right. He's the lawyer. And then he went to go, Gray Smith went to go try and to go to his house later and that's where they got the tip from his housekeeper that she had talked to him on, on, on his, his birthday. killer's birthday. That's yeah. the day, he, that's a, one time he let it, something like that yeah. slip, a personal detail. That may be a connection that leads to them having a prime suspect that they've never been able to yeah. prove with evidence.
1: Well, you know, I don't know. I, I always think it's interesting, like, the the popular ideas of what, like the popular idea of what a serial killer is, is like, like silence of the lambs. You have this super smart guy who's able to get, you know, take advantage of everything and knows all the ins and outs. He's like a reverse Sherlock Holmes or something like that. But like, actually serial killers are kind of like disorganized and like, they're only able to get away because of the sort of a non you know, they're killing people they don't know. Yeah. And, but the thing is, that a lot of people. A lot of times, it starts with people they do know. In this case, in this most case, likely, <laughs> it seems
0: like it started with somebody. So, knew. so,
1: and then it, it branches out into other things. So the the secret to like you know figuring out the case is is figuring out how how that person you know one of the early killings is related to the you know to yeah. to the thing, and that's that's how they end up breaking it. You know. Um, well, there
0: were other physical details along the way, too. Like, yeah. they, they made the connection between the Zodiac symbol yeah. and the logo for that watch, yeah. right? Was that what it
1: was? Yeah, or, yeah or, the Zodiac brand watch, which is an um, actual brand of watches. They had
0: found boot prints, so they knew what kind yeah. of boot he wore.
1: Well, also, right. the symbol was also on the... It's a target site on the Most Dangerous Game That's right, poster, on the poster for the Most which Dangerous... Which had been made... People had made... He'd made reference to it in his codes, yeah. you know. Um, so so it's... And, and then, you know, the other thing is we discover is that the code that he wrote... Um, is just a simple substitution code that he pulled from several books in the library, you know that yeah. that were commonly available at the time on code breaking. Um, so I mean, like, so even that
0: wasn't super yeah. sophisticated. It, it was like seems it was very like easy. it's clever,
1: but it's it's not really. But you it's just have like, to have
0: the three most common code breaker yeah. books to and read the most rudimentary stuff to kind of come up with that system that he yeah. used, which was a basic substitution code.
1: Yeah. But I mean, like, there's, you know, some people are aware of how little people pay attention to things, you know, and how even if you're in a big city like San Francisco and you shoot someone on a street, you know, with police less than five minutes away, you can still run into the Presidio and escape, you know, and it's not, it's not clever or anything like that. He just knows how not observant things are and how how things really are, you know, which is as that there's not a policeman on every corner. And, you know, you, know. <laughs> you have
0: stupid things like the initial call going out on the wire that it was an African-American suspect yeah. who shot and robbed the taxi driver. Yeah. Completely wrong. Yeah. And false. And then you have people looking for the wrong person while the, the actual lumbering stocky white guy <laughs> yeah. walks right past a couple past of two cops, beat cops yeah. who are out there yeah. a few blocks from the murder. So I I I still I've kind of wanna cycle back to yeah. like I always wanted to go back and see this movie, but I never prioritized it. And yeah. I I I'm not and I never have been a huge fan of David Fincher. I don't know why. I've never really been able to connect to his movies. And I can recognize a stylish directorial style, mm-hmm. but on the level of story and character it doesn't do much for me i don't know why like yeah. sometimes i mean i need to have both going yeah. on or i need to have one that's so extraordinary and astounding that i don't care about the other like i can i can give stanley kubrick a lot of leeway because the world is so visually arresting or there's some kind of the poetry of the image and 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 overall the it's an experience so who cares if you have these wooden actors at the heart of 2001, <laughs> right? Okay. A lot of people care.
1: <laughs> I actually,
0: really, let's not do 2001. Okay. Right
1: let's not talk about 2001.
0: Okay. <laughs> Don't, note to self, never bring up never 2001. Never bring up 2001.
1: know, <laughs> there's
0: very few people I can bring up 2001 to.
1: Yeah. I, You know, I know a couple of uh, uh, twin brothers that are really like 2001. So I just. Okay. Yeah. Well,
0: I'm their triplet. (laughs) Yes. Um, So I had, I have maybe only seen a handful of David Fincher movies. I've never been like, oh, the new David Fincher. Yeah. I think the ones that I responded to most were The Social Network, which I think was a good film. I don't, to me, it's not one of, it's not the great, on the top 10 of my films of the 2000s. Boy, he really can
1: pick actors. Can't, I, I, James Bernadelli drives me nuts, but.
0: <laughs> I don't know who that is.
1: That What's his name? The, the, that's that's the not his name. What is his name?
0: It's not James Bernardelli. I don't what know who is, James Bernadelli sorry, is. What is
1: his name then? Anyway. I don't that know. That actor, I can't think of it. I don't know. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: he must look like whoever James Bertinelli is.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Valerie Burtonelli. I'm not sure. I don't <laughs> I know, think she was no. in that. Um, I've, the, another one I liked back when it came out, before I really knew who Fincher was, was The Game with Michael Douglas. I never saw that one. Um, and I think Sean Penn is in that. But I never saw Dragon Tattoo. I'd never seen this, obviously. Did he
1: do Dragon Tattoo? I didn't know that. He
0: did the American remake of Dragon Tattoo. Interesting. Um, oh, seven, yeah, okay. For me, seven was too much too far. I'm, I can't, I will never revisit seven. I can't do that. What's, in, of, the
1: yeah, What's in the
0: box? Yeah, I can't. I can't. That's too much for me.
1: <laughs> Silence of
0: Lambs, good seven crosses so, the line.
1: You know, I saw seven when I was in high school, and that <clears throat> was like right up my alley for a high school student. Now it's like
0: eh. that. That, to me, is a one-timer. Yeah. Like, I...
1: Did he do Fight Club? He did. He did Fight Club, Well, I'll tell you something. Yeah.
0: You know, you guys can just, whatever, (laughs) reject the show, but I could never get into the Fight Club, either.
1: I mean, like, to me, that one's, like, a one-trick pony that a lot of, like, teenage boys like. You know? They're like, whoa, the world! Trippy! It has a certain reputation. And then they're like, we can watch it again! And, you know... I'm being too loud, but. Well, I'm going (laughs) to, I,
0: I didn't see, um, I didn't see it when it came out and I went back trying to fill in the gaps, just Mm kind of like our show does here about maybe 10 years ago.
1: Yeah.
0: I couldn't make it more than a half hour in. I was just like this. I just don't want to be in this world. Yeah. I just.
1: It's, it's, it's extremely cynical. And then, like, the whole thing hinges on this, you know, spoiler, I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen it, but this sort of trick ending, sort of M. Night well, Shyamalan-esque.
0: And, and I knew the trick, so there was <laughs> yeah. no trick to it for me. Yeah,
1: Sort um, of, like, um, same thing. There were so many of those kind of movies. Um, the one with um, the little kid, Holy J- Haley Joel Osment, that one, too. There were just all those, like, trick-ending movies. That, that is an M. Night Although, Shalaman.
0: I have to say that um one happy memory is i went to film school with maggie carey mm. who um later married bill Hader. you know my, yeah and um she always made comedy films and satires and stuff like that and one of her her second year mm. film project
1: mm-hmm. was
0: um was done in the style of the fight club only it was called the dance club No,
1: oh, that's amusing yes and it was about this lame
0: <laughs> kind of loser guy who decides to join this underground like get hip kind of dance disco sort of thing, but it's shot in the style with all the overlaid like text and the, it's pretty good. I enjoyed it. Actually, Maggie, I enjoyed that much more than Fight Club. <laughs> so, um, so
1: yeah, I guess, cause I did not like the social network, like flat out. I didn't, that was one of those where I like did not understand why everybody was so into, although it did introduce us to, um, to all Jesse
0: guy, something or other from
1: call us by call, call me by your name. There we go which is an excellent film that guy um winklevoss he was he played one of the Winklevi, winklevoss he's in call me by your name yeah um tall guy
0: eisenberg jesse eisenberg so that's the guy who's that's in that the movie. other guy but not, not frank bernard or whatever yeah yeah okay <laughs> but his name but i'm disappear. talking
1: about the the tall guy from call me by your name who played one of the the winklevoss twins yeah i know okay okay
0: he has a funny name. His name yeah. is Army Hammer. That's right. That's yes. his name.
1: Yeah. So anyway, I did not like The Social Network. So yeah, for welcome me- to this
0: week's episode of Dave and Ashley try <laughs> to think of names of of actors.
1: Uh-huh. We've been more focused in our time, um, but yeah. So so yeah, I can I agree. All this to say, I agree with the David Fincher can be a very hit or miss. And I can see the Kubrick comparison because he can be quite cold at times. I That's didn't, how
0: I would. I didn't feel it in this surprisingly, yeah. and and I want to say it's partly on the strength of getting the the triple crown of Gyllenhaal, Ruffalo, and and Robert Downey yeah. Jr. That you have such interesting characters at yeah. the heart of this. It's
1: Almost Avengers Assemble at this point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: i prefer this but
1: uh, you know Mar- uh, mark ruffalo never turned green um
0: no but <laughs> i like how this was a mini reunion of the er cast too. yeah you had also- anthony edwards is one of the <laughs> <laughs> you had at least th- i counted at least three characters from er i
1: always think about like what it, what happened to anthony edwards and then never actually look it up but now i know <laughs> that he was also in zodiac and and quite good in in this role as you know,
0: yeah. I mean, how kind was that? That he always bought animal crackers for Mark Ruffalo. It was
1: really nice. Yeah. You know, you
0: got to take care of your partner.
1: But he just didn't want to worry about the zodiac anymore.
0: And so, oh, oh Ioni Sky was the woman with the baby, mm-hmm. but uncredited. So yeah, that I don't know why she was uncredited, but I was like, that's Ioni Sky. She's on the way to visit her dad <laughs> in uh, in prison, who who was put away for uh, laundering money or whatever. Or, uh,
1: what movie is this
0: (laughs) say anything okay remember her dad oh yeah
1: yeah Yeah? everybody's
0: favorite movie about tax (sighs) dodging i don't like say anything (laughs) that's right you You don't
1: take your high school boyfriend with you to this or bond i'm sorry
0: (laughs) it never works out (laughs) it
1: never works out even if her dad is in jail for tax fraud
0: (laughs) it's everybody's favorite movie, father daughter movie about tax fraud
1: yeah well, I mean, what is she going to do? Support his karate butt all day? I don't, I don't know. I mean, is he going to work in a cafe?
0: I don't know. Isn't the thing with him holding <laughs> up the boombox going to get old when he like keeps showing yeah. up at the Sorbonne and courtyard uh, yeah, with yeah?
1: I don't know. I Assume that they just break up and he's stuck teaching karate to French kids or something.
0: <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we've
1: gone way off topic. We've gone
0: way <laughs> off topic. Let's let's cycle back into the actual <laughs> film we're talking about. Yes. So what? stands out to you having when was the last time you saw this movie and did anything what stands out with you most this time on this viewing
1: um the first time i saw it was in the theater i didn't realize the pacing of it is very different than i thought for me like i guess the first time i saw it there was sort of this like visceral reaction to the murders themselves but now it was like i i mean that's all over very quickly within the first like half an hour of the film the film is like two and a half hours long Mm -hmm. um but the the actual crimes themselves sort of and then it you know are over in that first 30 minutes and then the rest of it is sort of um left over to the sort of terror that that the Zodiac puts the city and most of Northern California into, and then all the machinations that happen at the paper Mm -hmm. and at the police department and at the various sheriff's departments around in trying to figure out the case. I, you know, one thing that I really enjoyed this time around, which is kind of weird, but the, the fact that, you know, now we have this sort of, it still doesn't work out completely, but there's this, agreement among law enforcement agencies that they share ideas and they share cases and so we're able to solve things more quickly you know and part of that's the internet you know everything's more connected but like you know a murder in vallejo may not get reported in san francisco in 1969 so they wouldn't know that those things are connected But these
0: murders take place in these different jurisdictions and they're not even sharing all the, all of the, so like
1: nobody would have been able to connect those if the Zodiac hadn't reached out and said, I did these two as in addition to this other one, you know, um, you know,
0: (laughs) were you disappointed? We wouldn't have a cat battle today during the show because there's a full on cat battle going on.
1: Um, So anyway, I just I just think that's interesting how that's a a different perspective that we don't really have now. I mean, and I know that, you know, it's still not 100 percent agreement between law enforcement agencies. We hear stories about that all the time. But how separate everything was like stuff that happens in San Francisco gets reported in San Francisco. And, you know, people may never find out about it. It was truly like local stuff, especially in those small towns. It was just local unless like an it was big enough for to get picked up by like an AP story and sent out on the wire there yeah. would there would be no way to to know about it you know
0: i love this um this unlikely pairing of the political cartoonist <laughs> <Yeah>. with <laughs> the the um, the reporter. Yeah. You know? He just happens to be in the room or around the office when this stuff comes in, and he immediately gets sucked into it and completely obsessed. He's, like, sort of a hyper-focused guy anyway. He's yeah. a little off. Yeah, he like, is. Like, he's kind of a loner. He's mm. a single dad, right? Yeah. Um, and he <laughs> really just needs to know everything about this and be, and insinuate himself into it. Yeah. He's like going through the crumpled up pieces of um you know pieces of half written reports and stuff on Downey Jr.'s desk when he's not around and um without too too much effort he becomes involved in those conversations and part of the investigation just because he's doing it. Yeah and then here he is the the pretty much the last third of the film is his investigation yeah. once everybody else has become burned out it's ruined their lives it's like they can't live with it. Anthony Edwards i think is one of the first ones to just drop out because he can't take it anymore yeah it's too it's too much
1: yeah to
0: always be investigating on this subject matter and never getting anywhere with it and having to take you away from your family and stuff like that so he leaves for those sorts of family reasons. Um, Downey Jr. is a mess. Robert Avery yeah. um, drinks more and more. Um, he really lived to the year two
1: thousand, though. You know what's that? He lived till the year two thousand, though. Yeah. It made it seem like he was going to die any minute, but um.
0: <laughs> but he could only take it so far. Yeah, and then he's kind of a burnout and he ends up going off to the sacramento i love the way the sacramento bee is like
1: you don't want to go off to the sacramento
0: bee but no offense sacramento it's a it's something in the movie
1: well that's where the we like sacramento the the handwriting expert lives in sacramento too that's right yeah which is weird i I mean do they have a lot of call for handwriting yeah right experts in 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 uh near the valley i don't i don't know (laughs) i don't know um
0: so what about capturing san francisco in the 60s and 70s how do you think they did with that
1: well so i was you know being a not so casual architecture study i had looked up when the transamerica tower was built recently not related to this but um there's some great scenes of them like building the Transamerica Tower as showing the time passing because I believe they started in that 68 which is around the same time as What I loved
0: <laughs> is that the, the the first location shot of where yeah. this story is set in San Francisco is that typical thing, thing you see of flying in an aerial mm-hmm. shot coming into um, the ferry building and, and the San Francisco skyline and you immediately turn to me and goes, "It's there's no Transamerica building
1: <laughs> <laughs> It wouldn't have been built yet um, but it, it does get finished during the course of the Think there's a scene where they well show there's a the four
0: years later yeah. kind of you have mm-hmm. some long ellipses where you have to go to the next chunk of the story and one thing is four years later but you see that um, time lapse thing yeah. of amazing time lapse of the Transamerica Building getting built.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I was trying to figure out how they did that, like whether they had. I
0: think it's just CGI. G-CGI I mean, it's not stuff. like they actually filmed that over the course <laughs> no, of like didn't. a year yeah. back then, and Fincher <laughs> got some stock footage or something. <laughs>
1: Well, and, yeah, I forgot what I was going to throw in there. Something related to that. Um, You know, they did a pretty good job of, I mean, like, they used the actual places, the actual, you know, as far as I can tell, at least from the location they mentioned, I don't know if it was actually shot there, but Washington and Maple Um, which is two blocks from the Presidio where the cab driver was murdered. It's funny, when we were in San Francisco, we went on a, um, not a ghost walk, but like a...
0: Wasn't it called Haunted San Francisco? Haunted
1: San Francisco thing. And one of the things they did is they took us to a corner in the Tenderloin where that cabbie picked up where um, the guy hailed the cab, um, where the 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 phone that he used in order to call um, the cab company, and mm-hmm. he was picked up on this corner in the Tenderloin, and then drove, driven out to Washington near the Presidio and, and Maple. Um, the other thing that's interesting is when that murder happened. That's when we first get uh, Anthony Edwards and Mark Ruffalo's characters, Dave and I can't remember. Anthony Edwards. Bill. Yeah. Bill, Bill Um, so you know, Mark Ruffalo gets the call and his partner asks him to go pick him up. So he goes to pick up his partner.
0: Where did he pick him up? In my old neighborhood.
1: In, <laughs> in Dave's in old neighborhood. <laughs> in <partner> said.
0: <laughs> I feel like I've seen Park Merced on film like twice in my life.
1: Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, like it's instantly recognizable if you've if you've been there. It has a very distinctive. I wasn't really
0: paying attention, and it was shot yeah. at night. So you said that that's that's your old neighborhood. Yeah. And I'm like, what old neighborhood? What do you mean? What old neighborhood? <laughs> Play it back, and then you go, and I was like, that's Park Brissette. What street is that?
1: well it's interesting because it has a very I'm sorry I'm going to go off on architecture right now <laughs> it has a very like the buildings are very plain in themselves pretty much just rectangular buildings yeah. but they have very distinctive like they add porticos to the front of things in some cases yeah, or um, non operational shutters um, it yep. looks vaguely colonial but they're not colonial at all it's like quoting colonial so it's like really recognizable if you've ever been there and then there there's another one just like it in la that looks almost like the buildings are built almost exactly the same sometimes they have those little port windows and and stuff like that Well, what's
0: hilarious is we once did a pilgrimage to the ones in la yeah (laughs) and it completely freaked me out it was like stepping into the twilight zone because here we are in la
1: yeah you
0: know whatever eight hours away from san francisco and it's exactly like standing on a, on the corner of Font Boulevard no. and Holloway. I mean, it looks exactly the same.
1: Well, the other thing that's interesting is that Mark Ruffalo's character, I believe, lives in Daly City. He works for the San Francisco police, but he lives in Daly City. And so, like, I don't know what the route around there would be. But it do, it does make sense that on his way into the city, he would stop through through Park Merced and pick up yeah. his his partner on the way into the city proper you know down by the presidio which must have been a really long drive it must have been like an hour or something all told from Daly, Daly city all the way i don't know no how far is i don't well, know
0: Well, you can take the highway and
1: well was the highway built in in the 60s yeah. 70s
0: i don't know it yeah. was there my whole life
1: yeah okay anyway so so interesting bits of san francisco that we got to see <laughs>
0: that's true so I I loved the music. Yeah. How do you think this thing, that the way this used music to kind of keep you rooted in Bay Area and post Summer of Love... Um, Late 60s, early 70s soul and funk, kind of Oakland Bay Area kind of vibe. So, I think one of the opening songs in the movie is actually Santana Soul Sacrifice. And I was like, oh my God, there's Jillen Hall taking his kid to the school bus, and Soul Sacrifice is (laughs) playing. And then you had, you had, um, You had uh, Sly, Sly and the Family Stone at some point with I Want to Take You Higher. You had that great Isaac Hayes song on the record I keep playing all the time. Um, Hyperbolic, hyperbolic, syllabolic, uh, syllabolic, expialidocious. (laughs) I can't even say it. But um, for me, that was you had Marvin Gaye. I mean, it was all this great 70s music throughout to always keep you rooted into the well, time and, and place
1: the really creepy use of Donovan's uh, hurdy gurdy man, which is yeah, that just was like the, the creepiest song. It's just, I like, think
0: we opened and closed with that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's
1: in the car when, um, uh, during the first crime that we get to witness and it
0: ran over the end credits too. At yeah, the yeah. end. So it's, it's like not just as creepy over the end yeah. credits,
1: but, um, so one, one thing that I think that is interesting is like, technically this is an unsolved crime. Yeah. But I feel like the movie has decided who, who, who did it. You know,
0: I feel that way too. And that was let me. So let me just back up for a second and say, dis, okay, I was a child in the seventies, yeah. and I've never studied or learned about Zodiac. Never even read a Wikipedia entry about it. Still, even now, yeah, I didn't prepare for this show. <laughs> so. Everything I know, almost everything I know about Zodiac is from this film, and a few snatches of conversation here and there. I didn't know what he did, how many victims there were. I didn't know anything about the investigation. I I had heard about the the anonymous letters and mm. the Zodiac things. Of course, I've seen Dirty Harry, which yeah. is loosely based on that kind of a thing, <laughs> but like completely silly. You feel lucky, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, and he blows him that away. That is a very silly yeah. movie. He blows him away. It's a fun movie,
1: Yeah, but, um,
0: <laughs> this is a better movie.
1: Yes, it is a much better movie.
0: <laughs> anyway, I did go in knowing at least that Zodiac was unsolved. Yes. And, and I was skeptical about, oh, we have a two and a half hour p- procedural about <laughs> something that basically <laughs> they're going to just throw up credits at the end that say yeah. this was unsolved and, you know. But... That is all to say that this ended up leading me to a hypothesis in a much more decisive way than yeah. I was expecting it to. Yeah, I didn't know I was going to end up stepping away from the movie going, well, it's obviously that guy. Yeah, yeah. It's well, obvious. And I,
1: I, you know, it kind of makes me, I mean, like, I don't want to get lost in, the, I mean, like, there's some really in-depth, like, true crime, I mean, like, there's a whole, like, true crime podcast, Um, you know, group you know that that we know about through our, our oddly at one of the parenting podcasts we listen to but you know i it, it kind of made me curious as to what the sort of consensus is about whether this is a solved crime that just hasn't been finalized because like they make the point throughout the movie that you know paul avery says it first like Life goes on, it wasn't all that important. There's no way to concretely prove it. And then Mark Ruffalo later says it more intensely, which is, it doesn't matter at this point. I can't prove it. You know, mm-hmm. you know, there's you know, even if I could, you know, decidedly say that this is the guy, there's no way for me to physically prove it in a way that 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 would hold up in a court of law, you know, essentially. So like too much time has gone by. There's not enough physical evidence. There's just, it's just not a solvable crime in the legal sense, you know?
0: No. And then also frustrating is the fact that this suspect, at least that we're led towards believing in, um, like he's dead. He's dead. Yeah. He died of a heart condition or something, right?
1: So I mean the the like coda of the movie is they've finally gotten a, in touch with the one survivor who saw the face of the zodiac who like disappeared shortly after the the attacks happened cuz he I guess he was concerned it seems like he moved to Canada or something like that anyway know. they're able to track him down and do an interview with him and he identifies the what is his name Allen something Lee Allen
0: That sounds right. Um, Arthur Lee Allen. Arthur Lee
1: Allen. He identifies him as the person that he saw, although not like 100% because it's been, you know, this is 1991, so it's been 20-something years. Um, So, I mean, like at that point, they, they had enough, they had an ID, they were going to interview him again after checking him out several times. Yeah, and he died of a heart attack before they were able to bring him in and talk but to him. Again. In the
0: film, this is a man who has gone off and talked to somebody about how he was going to do yeah. this. He is obsessed with the most dangerous game.
1: He knows one of the victims. He they- has a
0: Zodiac wristwatch. Yeah. He's got the boots.
1: Yeah,
0: right. They they make him on all of these different layers, but have to walk away.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So I actually think it's a strong thing in the film that they take you up to that point
1: Mm. of
0: them confronting him about two thirds of the way in. And then they make you think like, Oh, well no, it's just, and then you get back to that again. It comes kind of back around. And
1: the interesting thing is, is that, you know, he was excluded based on handwriting evidence and like, it just, the, the person that they were using as their handwriting expert turned out to be an unreliable person anyway so he might have excluded all of these people that they should have considered you know and that's just like the the problem with with you know
0: well every once in a while some major component of the investigation had as one of its pillars something that was completely wrong you know what i mean like you outrule all of the stuff because it goes against the handwriting expert And then the handwriting expert is maybe an alcoholic or unreliable mm. in X number of different cases. And then it's like, okay, well, why were we, why were we using that as one of our...
1: Well, it's, the thing is, it's like... The, so like, this is the thing that's in these things. It's like all the evidence is circumstantial. Well, a lot of cases, the only evidence that they have is circumstantial. But if the circumstantial evidence is strong enough then you can prove your case in law. I guess what the point they're trying to make is that there's not enough circumstantial evidence that points to one specific person. So if you have lots of circumstantial evidence, but it could possibly be these three people, then it's hard to prove in a court of law that it's definitely this one person, you know? Um, so that's why they liked they used to before we had DNA liked eyewitnesses. Now, like they're not trying cases even if they have really strong circumstantial cases because they don't have DNA evidence because a lot of juries will not convict without DNA evidence. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't know that I have a big problem with that because I think that our law system should be should err on the side of keeping people, out of prison, if there's a chance that they're innocent, rather than locking people up who who are innocent, you know, for Other, <laughs> other circumstantial <laughs> evidence
0: is you had those gaps in the murders. Yeah, when um, Arthur Lee Allen was in jail for a while. Yeah, or something like that. Right? No,
1: he was on military leave, and uh, not military leave. He was serving in the military, Navy, I believe.
0: In the seventies. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was in.
1: I thought they said he was military, and that's why. Um, Jake, I didn't get that. That's why Jake and Jillian Hall checked the um, uh, libraries of military bases because they keep those records. I thought that
0: was from his past. I didn't think that why that was why the murder stopped in the seventies. No, oh, I don't know. I thought he was already a washed-up teacher and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Who is now a custodian or something or whatever? Yeah.
1: I don't know. I I I got the idea that that he was related to the military for some reason. Like he was, well, he was overseas. He I don't was, know, like,
0: but I didn't think that was what the gaps yeah. were.
1: Well, it's not our responsibility to, I thought that's how he, yeah. <laughs> to know that sort of thing. No, so. we're going to crack this. No, we're not going to crack this. We're no,
0: going to crack this. We're going to <laughs> see this through. That's what the argument of this film is, that yeah. you, dear viewer, can take this on. So if we all band together.
1: Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because like... I think it's fascinating that that I mean, like there are people who are working on cold cases that are able to solve them. You know, that's how we got the the not the BTK the the other one in Cal in Northern California that they just solved based on DNA. The Golden State Killer. Yeah, the Golden State Killer. So that was like the evidence they needed in order to get the warrants and everything that they needed. Mm-hmm. That was done by true crime, you know, researchers not you know, not professional, you know, they, they were working with law enforcement, but the people who got enough evidence for them to get that information was, I don't know. I think it's, it's interesting. I don't know a whole lot about it. I know that she was, uh, Patton Oswalt's, uh, wife was deeply involved in that before she passed away. So, um, anyway, I I think that's interesting. Um, I also think that it's a way that, I don't know, (laughs) Like, you know, uh, as the character did, he lost his wife and, you know, during the case of this thing, because he was so obsessed with this case, he couldn't put it down. He couldn't. Graysmith? You know, yeah. The Jake Gyllenhaal Yeah, he character. was not able to balance his his family and his obsession, you know.
0: No. It should have been a red flag to Chloe Savini on their first date when he yeah. had to, like, <laughs> leave to make a phone call. <laughs>
1: Related and, to and the they case. ended up
0: staying up half the night waiting for a call back or whatever yeah. from uh, Downey jr or whatever it was they were doing that night so I often
1: the thing that brings you together is the thing that
0: <laughs> yeah I'm glad that our our marriage isn't founded on a serial killer investigation, just, just
1: library work,
0: yeah, which is sort of like a serial no sorry <laughs> um, so I want to go back to something that you said earlier about earlier times when you saw this film that you found the the actual murder scenes to be very visceral and hard to watch, I think. And you didn't have that experience now. And is that just because you've seen it and and there were no surprises? Is it something to do with watching it on TV instead of in a movie theater?
1: Probably. I I mean, like the thing about a movie theater is it's such an immersive experience. So you have hurdy-gurdy man, like, in your ears and there's, you know, David Fincher in this case, especially in the crime scenes is really good at ratcheting up the sense of, um, dread, dread. He, he does it again masterfully in like the last, um, um, when when uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's character is down in the basement talking to the organ player from the movie theater,
0: yeah, which I,
1: like was like a was, like a red herring thing that yeah, they threw in there.
0: I, unfortunately, I don't know. If I'm, <laughs> I read that as a red herring scene, yeah. so it. I was not in that. I mean, yeah. I could kind of appreciate it mentally, but I, it didn't fool me. Yeah, And and I was a little... Well, I felt like that was actually almost an overt callback to Silence of the Lambs and yeah. Jamie Gums' hideaway yeah. where Jodie Foster's in that <laughs> uh, basement area. Like, can't see. Well, that, But like that
1: whole... I mean, like, if you think back to that whole scene in that film, which is, like, just a masterful... Like, she's stuck in the basement for, like, I don't know, it feels like 15 minutes, and all of it is that tense. But mm-hmm. these crime scenes are able to... Um, like draw on that that sense of dread, which I think is more. Of, I mean, because there actually is. It's not. I mean, it's it's not that gory. I mean, it's just the idea of things. There's never. There's not much blood shown. No, you know.
0: But what it does, what it does hit, is your sense of vulnerability. Yeah, that you could be anywhere at any time. Yeah, and the lone psychopath could
1: yeah. find you. <laughs> so
0: for me, as a new viewer, yeah. I do think that I was a little desensitized or a little not quite as into it as I would have been because we're watching it
1: mm-hmm. on
0: TV. Yeah. And you have the safety of the pause button if necessary. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I think it would have been worse to have seen this in a theater at some yeah. point. So in some ways, I'm a little sad we didn't get to see it at the Paramount Summer Classics or AFS or something like that. But for me, the most terrifying one was the first couple. mm the the one who are out driving around they decide not to go to the burger place and they go to park instead yeah. and they're sitting there and and because I don't know much about the Zodiac, so I don't know what to expect. I mean, I didn't even really know how he killed his victims or yeah. what's going to happen. And so the way that Fincher plays that with you're sitting there in the car and it plays out in real time with you seeing the his car behind them through the mirror and stuff in the back window kind of pause and then drive away and then hushing and waiting to see if he's going to go and wondering what they should do. That was brilliant. Yeah, I mean, for me, that was some of the best directing of the film is how he handled that yeah. that first. And, and then down to the fact that you only see a lumbering, dark silhouette and then you see a figure, but you can't really see much else. It's at night. And the suddenness with which he just shoots them through the window yeah. and walks around the car and shoots the other side and everything and then kind of gets in and drives away. It's just chilling bone chilling yeah and that was the worst one to me yeah and so every every encounter after that always had the threat of being like that and then you think that you're not necessarily going to be able to match that but or that you're you you maybe almost want to take some false security in the sense the sense that you know now i know how bad it can be or i know what to expect and then he gets you again because you have the one in broad daylight,
1: coupled by the like. Yeah. So you're
0: not safe in that broad one, daylight. That
1: one was the worst for me. Always. I wasn't
0: expecting. Yeah. At first, I was kind of it. I was even talking myself through it, going, "This isn't as scary because it's in broad daylight." And look at that ridiculous outfit he's got yeah. with the like leather thing, with the, he's got <laughs> in the face mask, and he's got the the zodiac symbol on his chest, and it looks like some weird like superhero kind of thing or something. And then. It just goes on so long with the tying them up and stuff. I'm like, okay, well, is it that bad if he shoots them now? Am I gonna be? Am I gonna survive that scene? And then he like pulls out a knife and just yeah. stabs them in a horrible way.
1: Yeah, that one was. So that that was, one, the one I remember being so terrible.
0: So yeah. now that I've talked myself through that, that was also terrible. Yes. <laughs> Which. Totally earns the scene with Ione Sky as the mother yeah. with the the breakdown, yeah. you know, with the sabotaged car, and and then he's going to give her a lift, her and her baby a yeah. lift, and he's I didn't know you had a baby, but that wasn't him.
1: No, they because he he reported it in. Well, they don't know, but.
0: Well, the movie takes liberties there yeah. because the movie puts you in the car with yeah. that scene and whoever that is in the car yeah. is saying he's going to kill yeah. that woman and throw the baby out yeah. the window. So, if that's just reported from the the witness from the woman after yeah. the fact cuz she survived that, is does that scene come from anything actually recorded? Yeah. Is it uh, just pure fiction? It's it's chilling though because you have the threat of something horrible that's yeah. going to happen, and then minutes later you see that that woman and her baby survived, and they ter- she jumped out of the car. Yeah. I don't know if it was a true Zodiac victim or not, but well, at least that's, at that that's point in the film, I think it is. With it.
1: You know these you know these people who are seeking attention in that way, taking credit for crimes that they didn't commit, means that people who did commit those crimes, you know. Perhaps don't get caught at all, you know. Like yeah. in the case of the the other one, they had an example of is the guy the Zodiac took credit for killing a police officer, but they already had someone in yeah. custody that they thought was the the one who committed that crime. So like it throws into question whether, whether they can hold that suspect yeah, yeah. Or,
0: or build a case against yeah. them.
1: If if you've got a and someone who's like got the attention of the of the population, you know, so. That's, that's um, you know, it, it certainly leaves an argument that maybe the press should not have listened to anything that he said and that they made it worse just by instead of taking it directly to the police and let the police handle it, they brought attention to something that, you know, that caused a lot more harm than it, it would have been able to if they had just, yeah. you know, dealt with it in the... So I don't know. I, I guess I'm guess I'm saying that David Fincher seems to be very uh, pro-police, which is <laughs> not something we always have. You know, it's, true. it's anti-press and pro-police. So, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, Gyllenhaal, Ruffalo, and Downey Jr. Do you have any favorite moments uh, for any of those guys?
1: You know, I felt like. Downey Jr. was way underutilized. I think this was Mark Ruffalo's movie more than anyone, actually. Um, really? I yeah. saw it as Gyllenhaal. Really? I, I don't know. I, I think just that's just because like... the
0: last third of the film really is Gyllenhaal taking the lead. That's true. Right? Yeah. But like, he's sort of the, the stable one, if you want to call it that, even though his personal life is falling apart, he's the one who's, who actually sticks sticks with with it it. from the beginning, sees it through to writing the book. Yeah. You know, he's the connector. Yeah. You know, you have someone connecting these different worlds, the paper, the, the other um, jurisdictions, (laughs) the sheriffs in the other counties and stuff like that, cities. And um, with uh, Dave Toshi, the Mark Ruffalo character. Yeah. So I don't know but Ruffalo's your guy.
1: Yeah. I, I, I think he's know.
0: just your guy. Well,
1: he he has that great thing at the end where he's like, you know, you know, he killed, you know, six people or whatever, you know, that they've ever been able to prove that he definitely was responsible for. Yeah. And you know, he was like, you know, we do, you know, in the, you know, four years since it happened, you know how many people in you know and he was like you know hundreds hundreds and hundreds more have died in you know car accidents and other murders in the city and you know it. it's not that important we've got more important things coming in all the time you know I just um, you know it's it just got more media attention you know so that's enough to, I guess to I don't know if yeah it's <laughs> it's an interesting philosophical thing like You know, the police have a responsibility to solve all crimes, but the more the more recent crimes are easier to solve because the evidence is fresher and, you know, they're more pressing because they're happening. Yeah. You know, so does does a case from, you know, 20 years ago, you know, they don't have the resources for Mm -hmm. it, but should they dedicate a lot of resources to it? Probably not. You know, I don't know. It's 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 an interesting thing. Yeah. You know.
0: I'm trying to remember. Do you remember last night? We didn't even know we were going to watch this film for yeah. the podcast. What was the other one you were choosing between?
1: Uh, we talked about Tank Girl and we talked about...
0: The smoking one.
1: Uh, thank you for not smoking. Or thank you for smoking. Thank you for smoking. Yeah.
0: And then all of a sudden you're like, <laughs> no, let's do Zodiac. I was like, what?
1: <laughs> Where did that come from all of
0: a sudden? So I'm actually really glad that we did Zodiac. I, I don't have a list in front of me mm-hmm. of my favorite films from... But this is 2007. Yeah. I would say this is one of the great films of the 2000s. Yeah. Just even based on seeing it cold for the first time. Yeah. Out of You know, finally kind of... This is a truly like a um, a blind spot movie for me, yeah. which is like the whole point of this show. But it wasn't just a blind spot for me getting to know you and your tastes better and, and, and for, but it's actually felt like this is a major film I completely missed. Yeah. I'm really happy to have filled in that gap now.
1: And early in the, the cycle of like, let's make all the films about the seventies that everybody was into about five years ago. Let's like,
0: so you didn't have your seventies hangover yet. No, or,
1: not quite yet. I mean like, cause there had only been what, like boogie nights yeah. and a few others. Um, but then, like, um, yeah, about five years ago, like, it's like, let's set everything in the 70s. Uh. <laughs> hey, I, grew,
0: I don't have a problem with that. I grew up in the yeah. 70s. I like movies about the 70s. I don't well, want all movies to be about the 70s.
1: Yeah. I don't know.
0: But if you're going to put a movie in 70s San Francisco, I'm pretty much in, uh, into that's that. That's my audience. Yeah, yeah, I'm into that. That's me. <laughs> Story of my life. Except for the Zodiac Killer part.
1: Well, it's always interesting to me how, how <clears throat> in film, how they're able to capture different cities, Yeah, you know, at different points and like the feel of things, you know, I don't know. It's like every film about New York, it's set in New York, but it, it has different ways of showing the city. Same thing with San Francisco. So like in a, you know you're you're really able to um
0: You know what? I have to I'm sorry. Go yeah. Finish your point.
1: No, no, no. Go ahead.
0: Well, I was just going to say I have to give this movie props for being a film set in San Francisco. That doesn't give me the Golden Gate Bridge yeah. and the Palace of Fine Arts and Union Square. It freaking gives me like a street corner near the Presidio. Yeah. It gives me the Chronicle Building which is not that attractive. No. It. <laughs> <laughs> it, it gives me Park Merced at night. It's like actually authentic.
1: The, po- the police uh, headquarters. Yeah. It's yeah. 70 San Francisco. <laughs>
0: it's not Travelog San yep. Francisco. This is not Mrs. Doubtfire or Full House. No. We don't see the painted ladies. No. They actually are like, no, we're just going to shoot at the actual locations and street corners where this stuff happened. It didn't happen on postcard street corners. Yeah. It didn't happen by Alcatraz, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a good thing, I yeah. think. And I would like to see more films shot in San Francisco that's just shot on the streets. Yeah. It's just people who live there, <laughs> you know. that That's all. Sorry, yeah, well, that was just, my little It's just so diatribe. interesting
1: how you can make so many decisions about shooting a city and give it a very different feel like this felt very claustrophobic yeah maybe in a way oh yeah everything was really tight in on things you know like there were there's so much if you had a wide angle lens you could see so much more but everything was very close you know you didn't get the full i don't know it was it was interesting, like or when um, Jake Gyllenhaal character meets uh, Mark Ruffalo's for character for the yeah. first time. They're in this sort of big um, movie house, but the way that the the shoot it, like the ceiling feels low, and you know, I don't know, I I didn't really think about it till now. But it's yeah. the North
0: Point movie theater. It doesn't yeah. exist anymore. <laughs> so so
1: yeah, I th- I think that there's a sense of of that of close-ups on things we don't have a lot of you know big shots like um oh in the scene by the lake where the couple like we're close up on the couple and they're having a conversation and then like when it when she's concerned about the zodiac getting closer or the guy that she sees getting closer like we don't get a big wide panorama of what's going on at the lake it's like her and and her boyfriend and then like the guy behind the tree. There's, it's not, I don't know. It's interesting. It's a very, um, yeah, close, close feeling shots.
0: Very cool. So we're just about at time. Do you have any last thoughts about uh, the Zodiac killer? Um, (laughs) Or this film? (laughs) 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 Any, any future, any other hypotheses? I mean,
1: other than, you know, as I've gotten older, the sort of my fascination with this sort of, Chaudry nature of things. I'm just not able to stomach it as well as I used to. I mean, used to, I was really drawn into that sort of thing. And now I sort of actively avoid any sort of violence or gore. Well, that's,
0: that's exactly. I mean, I know we've talked about it on the show before, but that's why I didn't go see a a serial killer movie when my kids were, once I had kids, I could no longer do it.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think probably in 2007, I would have been like 25 at the time.
0: Yeah. Um, Probably, probably
1: I would have been, I mean, I would bet I was like freaked out by the crimes themselves, but probably the last hour of the movie, I would have been like, what, why, Who? you know, yeah. like this movie was an hour too long. Yeah. You know, I didn't feel that way watching it this time, but
0: I did not yeah. feel that. I thought it was so well paced. Yeah, yeah. It does not feel like a two and a half hour <laughs> yeah. film. And yet, it has the substance and the and the canvas to be yeah. able to tell that biggest story. So,
1: I think my appreciation of it has grown over time because probably when I first saw it, like I would have been comparing it to, you know, something you know that sort of more revels in like Seven or yeah, or and that's just not my yeah cup of or like anything. Summer of Sam, which
0: I never saw that. Um, Spike Lee?
1: Yeah. I, that one's a little more um, focused on the murderer rather yeah. than the reaction. So, okay. you know, I don't know. Anyway, cool. I, I enjoyed watching it again.
0: And I enjoyed watching it for the first time. So, yeah. And I'm glad that you had that sudden change of mind. To yeah. show this. this time. I still <laughs> want to see the other ones you had in, in, in the question. So you haven't yeah. run out of things yet, but this was a good one.
1: Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, uh, oh, before we want to go, I just wanted to mention, I wish you had gone with me to obviously that you could have gone to the Gallifrey One Mm. Doctor Who convention last week, but I just wanted to mention um, they had a podcasting meetup there that we should have gone to, even though we don't have a Doctor Who podcast. But um, even though I didn't make it to that, I met two podcasters in line and hit it off with them while we are waiting for Christopher Eccleston. So I just want to give them a shout out. Uh, I met John from podcastica, a doctor who podcast. So if you at all follow that show and want to hear current reviews and stuff, um, check out his podcast and um, Lauren Bancroft, who has a, a show called uh, historical hookups, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. They cover the love lives of famous people. They did a great show on Mary Shelley mm-hmm. soon. Um, so, uh, I always like finding new podcasts. That, Bancroft's a good name. It is. Yeah. And, uh, they've got good shows. Yeah. I like them and you should check them out and you should check out our Facebook page. Yes, You should subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends about it, please. Um, you can find us on any major podcast app. You can find us on Spotify, find our Instagram, shut up, watch this. Yeah. Not you. I mean, you should find it. Yeah. it yeah. Type in, shut up, watch this. Um, and we will be back with you in two weeks, I think, if all goes well. I think we're back yeah. on schedule again.
1: And welcome to our new listener in Spain who downloaded every single one of our episodes. We oh, appreciate
0: yeah. it. What <laughs> other countries have we been seeing come in lately?
1: I don't I don't remember. I just know that Spain was the one where we they... We have
0: listeners in Spain, I think Turkey, Australia, yeah. Britain. Lots of Australia. Um, Canada. Lots of UK. Lots of UK. Canada. Anyway, Most of the
1: English-speaking places all of you out the there, world.
0: thank you for listening. Keep sharing the show with other people. <laughs> I know that w- w- we have maybe a little harder time uh, getting regular listeners, just because you never know what the hell you're going to get with this show. <laughs> yeah. You can't say it's about this or that. We're just as likely to do Zodiac followed by you know some insane comedy, yeah. and you know either you're into that or you're not. Thank you for those of you who yeah. who are. Um, we're doing this for us, but we're also doing it for you. So come back and uh, listen to us again. All right. And we will see you another time. Another time. Bye. Bye.
1: Bye.